When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. And joining us this week is the host of the My History Can Beat Up Your Politics podcast, Bruce Carlson. Bruce, welcome to Pod Dylan. Hey, Rob. Great to be here. It's great having you here. I really love the show. Uh, for anyone who hasn't heard that show yet, explain a little bit of what the, that show is besides the great title. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, in 2006, I came up with that title, and it's, uh, it's, it's just been a delight since then. I've been podcasting a long time. Uh, it is a show that brings history and context to the politics of today. And so when I started the show, it was talking about President Bush, and now we talk about Congress and President Trump and the like. And uh, it's just been, uh, we, we have a great and supportive fan base, and it's great to just travel through time and, and try to add a little, you know, a little context to, to the political discussions, which often don't have enough Really? Context? You're bringing something <laughs> called context to an argument? I don't know. I'm unfamiliar with that concept, Bruce, but, but, but good luck with that. Uh, no, no, no. It's, it's a great show. I've been listening to it. I'm a, I'm a history buff and especially sort of like recent history. And it's, it's been fun listening to you talk about stuff that I was alive for. The, the last episode I listened to was the one about the, uh, the day after Reagan and, and after he, his, re, his reaction to watching the day after movie. And like, I was alive for all that. So I remember all that kind of stuff. And so it's, it's uh, really been very fascinating and it's, it's uh, very much theater of the mind. You know, you add a lot of stuff to it that really makes it like a full presentation. And I really enjoy it. Well, glad to hear it. Thanks very much. Yeah, it's a really cool show. And have have you had a chance to work in Bob Dylan on the show yet? I mean, certainly you're covering the era where he was around and he he intersects with history quite a bit. Has he come up yet? You know, that's an interesting question. I don't think so. I did um, John Lennon. We had a lot about Lennon and his uh, uh, the year of his disappearance or so when he split from uh, the long weekend when he split from Yoko. And and that was in the context of the 20. uh, 20, uh, well, I'm going to remember this right, the uh, 26th Amendment uh, that was in the context of 18-year-olds voting uh, oh, right, in that right, story. Right. But haven't, I don't believe we've been able to get Dylan, but I, I, um, I have to find a way to work it in. Yeah, I mean, come on, he's he's all over the place, especially in the sixties and seventies and stuff. So, we have, so we have something something to look forward to in that. So, uh, well, so before we get to the song in question, which is "Sweetheart Like You," the second song from nineteen eighty three's Infidels, uh, I want to ask you, like I do all new guests, like what's your entry point for the work of Bob Dylan? And I think that uh, it's an interesting thing about Dylan. For me, it was actually playing the music, and I think a lot of people maybe more than we might think you know get into it this way because Dylan's songs are accessible to someone just who doesn't really know music but can play a guitar and play a few chords certainly knocking on heaven's door was probably the one that mm. I was playing in high school uh with uh you know with a with a band and then I I would play in Washington Square Park and since Dylan's songs can be kind of transposed and transported on the on the acoustic guitar they just make a nice if you're just kind of playing alone or just with a buddy of mine, and we, we will sometimes play in the park, 
and think about Dylan that way. And that gave me an entry point, you know, starting with the popular songs that everybody knows and then just, you know, Rolling Stone and 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 the like, and then just devouring some of the less known songs, um, including some of the Christian songs and mm-hmm. Precious Angels. And in addition to the song we're talking about today, I think like Precious Angels, probably my number two or number three favorite. So, uh, you know, and that's how it started. So I think I've been listening to Dylan and singing Dylan. Um, I Shall Be Released is one I love playing. Uh, if I'm just playing acoustic guitar in the park and just pouring out on that one. Are there particular songs that you enjoy playing more than others? Just the, the something about either the whether it's easy, quote unquote, to play. I can't play anything, so I would never call any <laughs> playing easy. But is there any that you just yeah. is there something enjoy well, more than others? Well, I literally uh, Bono literally on stage once said that you really need to learn uh, "Knocking on Heaven's Door" because it's such an easy song to play, and it is since it's basically three or depending on how style four chords, it's really easy to play. "Oh Sister" is is similar Ooh, chord pattern. Deep to, cut. <laughs> uh, Yeah, I like I like "Oh Sister" a lot, um, and and it's a good one to surprise people who think you're going into yeah. "Knocking on Heaven's Door." <laughs> That's a song I think, but even other than really diehard Bob heads would be like, "What? What's that? <laughs> what's that song?" I love it though. It's and it's so uh, just uh, you know that that hint in the biblical imagery and and but you have to answer my call because you know this is what our father wa- would mm-hmm. want and it's just like it's uh, it's a great uh, they're great songs and Heaven's Door you can do it twenty seven different ways uh, you can experiment with the chords and and it's and it's great as we've heard it can literally be done twenty seven different ways whether it's Guns and Roses or whatever so well speaking of uh, biblical imagery because uh, I mentioned this this song Sweetheart Like You is from 1983's Infidels this was supposedly the first album of Bob's uh, coming out of his religious period but of course like mm-hmm. any Dylan song there's a lot of religious imagery this song in particular has lines right from the Bible so. You know, there there is no demarcation line where it's like, oh, okay, after this point, no more be, no more biblical references. No, Infidels is littered with with them, and the song starts off with a immediate like a, a drum snare and Bob singing right out of the gate, and it opens with him saying, "Well, the pressure's down, the boss ain't here, he gone north." For and now, actually, it's funny on the. I'm reading the lyrics off of BobDylan.com, yes. but they're different than what he sings to the song. I, I believe so, yes. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. Anyway, uh, the, the, the one here, it says, well, the pressure's down, the boss ain't here, he gone north for a while. They say that Vanity got the best of him, but he sure left here in style. By the way, that's a cute hat and a smile so hard to resist. But what's a sweetheart like you doing in a dump like this? And as the song goes on, the, that will be the refrain of Bob talking to someone, of saying, you know, all these different things are going on. What are you doing here? I'm here, but what are you doing here? You're better than this. So, so what is it about this song that you love so much, Bruce? Oh, there's so many things. I mean, you could approach it a couple of ways. One, I'll go to a bit of the history. We were talking about how I'm looking at Reagan. I'm actually looking at the year 1983 in the last cast and the day after. And and uh, the song's not about nuclear war, but I, I would bring, as it is my my trade, I would bring a little historical context that I think, uh, you know, applies Um 82 was a was a terrible recession. It's kind of forgotten, but I would say it was probably the worst, um, especially for blue collar workers up until the, uh, you know, since the time of the Great Depression. It was just a uh, mix with still some high interest rates and high inflation and then just layoff notices because the appearance in 1982 and 83 that it's the bad part of the 80s. It's the part where people really didn't think things were going to get better. 
there was a president, a new president that was a bit scary, and some of the people in the administration were a bit scary to a large amount of Americans. Others cheered those people on. They were saying very different things, doing different things. It seemed like a time, unlike the 60s and 70s, of a little more greed. And, and I think that plays into the whole Infidels album. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's good to see that context. Uh, I also think in terms of why, why would I like this song? It's, it's great music. I mean, it, it's, it's just you have Knopfler and you have the guitar. Um, you have his singing, like you say, he just right off the bat and pushes down. I mean, it's just he's, he's great. His, his vocal delivery on this is excellent. So it's a great, sweet love song in a sense and, and great music. I also just think it, it succeeds in a lot of ways, it gives you a window into interpreting Dylan. It invites interpretation. He's obviously calling for it a bit. Um, it's not just—it's not just a simple song, but it, it, it could be. You could just listen to the song and not interpret it at all, or you can interpret it, and it gives us a little window into Dylan. And I also think he, as you referenced, um, it also gives us a whole window into his uh, coming out. That might be the bad way to say it, but evolving, <laughs> evolving's better from that Christian uh, Dylan. And I think this song is one of many that kind of shows that it wasn't just a little diversion for him, that he evolved. And this is this is an adult Dylan, and I hear that too. This is this is not the the you know um, the younger the young man anymore. Uh, it's an adult who really creates a great a great song, great and a great fiction device uh, to tell a story. Yeah. It's, it's one of those songs that mixes this sort of, uh, you know, like it's clearly it's him talking to a particular person. Uh, but then there's hints of that. He's addressing something in a more larger sense. I mean, the, the, again, the lyrics, the way they sort of weave in and out of uh, a, a one-on-one and then addressing a larger concern. I mean, it moves, the song goes on. He says, you know, I, I once knew a woman who looked like you, she wanted a whole man, not just a half. She used to call me sweet daddy when I was only a child. You kind of remind me of her when you laugh. In order to deal in this game, you got to make the queen disappear. It's done with a flick of the wrist. What's a sweetheart like you doing in a dump like this? And he goes on and says, you know, a woman like you should be at home. That's where you belong. Taking care of somebody nice who don't know how to do you wrong. Just how much abuse will you be able to take where there's no way to tell by that first kiss? What's a sweetheart like you doing a dump like this? Now, of course, you know, the whole line about how much abuse we'll be able to take. There's no way to tell by that first kiss. That certainly sounds like the concern of what you could say going on now of, of someone in a relationship or where especially a woman has to be a little concerned about when they meet a man for the first time or meeting anyone for the first time. is mm-hmm. uh, It's this person selling a v- different version than the one I'm going to end up being stuck with. But then, of course, you also could be talking about uh, anyone who's working somewhere and working kind of beneath their station, you know, there's there's probably 99% of us out there that, that toil away at our jobs thinking, man, I could do so much better than this, you know? <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, yeah, and I think that's what he's getting at. But, of course, the point of view is the male and, and this particular male, who I think is a character. I don't think it's Dylan necessarily. Right, yeah. I think it's a it's a character. It almost is obvious that it is and more than other songs, which, which helps in – interpretation perhaps and it, it's uh right it's it's the man saying a woman like you should be at home and 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 you should be protected and i and you're so pure and so beautiful and why are you doing this and and it's uh 
you know, and that and that is the the theme uh, of the song. And I think that it's he he does a great job um, using that device of this kind of um, I almost think the, the the narrator, if you will, the protagonist, whatever you want to call him, the 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 assistant. I was saying like either the assistant bartender or assistant casino <laughs> dealer, whatever, <laughs> whatever this room might be with a woman's coming in. Uh, and the boss saying here, you know, is kind of like, hey, pressure's down. Here's the truth. I'm giving you the truth, you, you and me. But it's an unreliable narrator, and it's a person with a, his kind of a, a questionable reputation. He's talking about cheating and and things like that. That's what you have to do around here. He's given the skinny to this to this person, <laughs> um, who is who is obviously more pure than than he is it's funny when you say casino because now i'm immediately picturing that this is like an off chamber in the the, the same gambling house that the lily rosemary and the jack of hearts takes place <laughs> in. it's like this is some other thing that's going on but it's funny when i first heard this song and i liked it right from the beginning that line about uh, there's, there's a woman like you should be at home that's where you belong taking care of somebody and they should don't know how to do you wrong i liked it when i first heard it and then as i got older and i started you know engaging with the lord of the world i was a little like well that's a little you know, come on, Bob. I mean, that's that's not for a man to decide. You know where the woman should be. The woman, the woman should decide where she should be. I mean, he's trying to be sweet, right. and as you say, it's a character, not necessarily Dylan himself. But it is a little like you should just stay at home. Well, maybe I don't want to, Bob. <laughs> you know, don't worry about me. I'll be okay. Well, we caught a lot of flack for it at the time, yeah. and uh, I know that he 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 never he had a quasi apology, or it didn't come out exactly the way I wanted it, or something. And in the Rolling Stone interview at that time, right, right. but he he caught a lot of flack. But yes, I think that everyone's misunderstanding that this is a character. So if your if your character is somebody of a questionable reputation, um, kind of like the thief in the All Along the Watchtower. I really do equate him to either the Joker or the perhaps more the thief in the All Along the Watchtower. Like, I'm giving you the real truth here. The boss ain't here. And, uh, <laughs> you know, look, you should be at home. He's not a, he's, you're, you're at a, a, a questionable, you know, dump of a bar and, and he's speaking in the vernacular of that person. So I think like some of that concern as if it was Bob Dylan saying that women should be at home, you know, it was probably misplaced, but I, I guess he's, he's had controversy there, uh, throughout his career with different lyrics. And I, I certainly hope so that most of the time when he's singing, he's singing as a character because in his most recent set of songs, the original songs on Tempest and modern times, his characters are extremely violent. I mean, there's a lot of physical violence going on in his songs. I'm like, I don't picture a little five seven Bob Dylan as somebody who's you know issuing a lot of beatdowns on people. And so <laughs> I like to think that his characters are the ones that are that are doing the talking. And so the song goes on and says, you know, you can make a name for yourself. You can hear them tires squeal. You can be known as the most beautiful woman who ever crawled across cut glass to make a deal. Which is what a Ooh, great turn, wow. turn of phrase. You know, news of you has come down the line even before you came through the door. They say in your father's house, there's many mansions. Each one of them got a fireproof floor. Uh, uh, I, here, the, the line here is, snap out of it, baby. People are jealous of you. They smile at your face, but behind your back, they hiss. What's a sweetheart like you doing in a dump like this? Now, the whole the line about uh, in your father's house, there's many mansions. Each one of them got a fireproof floor. The fireproof floor is Bob's invention, but the line about your father's house has many mansions is from the Bible. It's right out of John 14, 2. I had to look that up. I didn't know that. Yeah. But it's, it's again, I, the <laughs> idea that, that Dylan was putting aside the Bible uh, allusions is, is 
crazy, you know, because he was always he was doing it before he ever got to slow train coming, and as you can see here, he was doing it afterwards. He was still using that as inspiration. Yes, and it drives home uh, the point that there is a little more to the song than just a a woman and a man. I mean, you could take it that way. You could listen to it once and just say, "Hey, it's this guy who's talking to a woman who's wandered in the into a dump and doesn't belong." You know, she deserves better, but he's he's definitely hinting there that there's more to this. And some people go really far with the interpretation. I prefer a softer interpretation or to accept that there might be multiple. It's kind of a sketch and there's, there's multiple interpretations. I mean, he did have, he did kind of work out the lyrics to this. There, there were some different lyrics in different parts, but uh, yeah, this is uh, John 14, Jesus to the disciples. My father house, my father's house has many, Uh, Actually, in my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I am going. uh, I messed it up. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? So it's definitely a hint that there's some this this female character is like a Jesus is a is a pure person who, uh, you know, and, and he's gotten word like, hey, I heard about you and your father and and all of that, you know. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the alternate versions of it, and there is another one out, another version of this circulating with the different lyrics, which is some of what you see here on BobDylan.com. Uh, it's more talk singing. He, this one, mm-hmm. in the, the the final version on the album version, it's more it's more him singing. The other one is, is talk singing. But uh, there is an extraordinary uh, bootleg that goes around. You can find it on uh, YouTube, I think maybe Vimeo, and it's about 20 minutes of somebody must have just had an open mic running of Dylan working on this song and you hear him talking. You mentioned Mark Knopfler from the Dire Straits, of course, produced mm-hmm. Infidels. And you it's you hear Bob in real time working on the song. And it's kind of interesting right. because, you know, there's a lot of what Dylan does has to be creative inspiration, the hand of God, whatever you want to call it, where he comes up with these things that just appear in his head and, and or he's he's able to sort of uh, Call things from from the ether and put them down on song, put them down in a song. But then you hear stuff like this, and you're like, "Well, no, this is him just being a working musician. This is mm-hmm. the, this is the nuts and bolts of his job. This is him sitting here, and you could hear him say to somebody, you know, play that bass line, and you hear, yep. you know, and they're like, no, 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 try this, and it's you know, it's just him in a studio working this stuff out. It's fascinating to to hear him. In the middle of that creative process, it's it, it's it's rare. You don't see a lot of that or hear a lot of it, but I love that we have that snippet, and it's him working on this particular song. Yeah, and, and it's a little bit like the beginning. He, he and it helps to see where he's going. If not, if not a full interpretation, like he starts out, uh, it's still you still got the pressure down, but then he says the boss. Now the boss ain't here, and he took the red eye yeah. north, and he's doing a graveyard um, graveyard affair. So uh, you get the sense that because uh, there's been always oh, the boss, Satan is the boss, God. And but if the if God is leaving, if I mean, if the boss is leaving at night and leaving this place dark, you get the sense that he's, you know, it's a it's a good person who is left and not a bad. But uh, it's it's you know, it's it's uh, you know, if he's taking the red eye. But it's it's uh, it's definitely uh, interesting to hear him, you know, uh, yeah, work out those and and work out the different singing as you mentioned he sings it a little um uh yeah you know like you say a spoken way it's a what a sweetheart like you, you know it's just more spoken and and i like i like what he did on the album i usually prefer studio versions for most things Me and too. it's just um you know his singing's great uh, on it and um 
you know, one of the things about this song is it's that there's always that argument on people and Dylan's voice and, oh, I don't like the voice. I can, and, oh, he's not a great singer. He's just a, he just writes great lyrics. And Ugh. I think, like, they've got that wrong because here's a perfect example. Listen to um, Rod Stewart's version where LK, an excellent singer, has approached this Sweetheart Like You song, and it loses, in, in my opinion, all charm whatsoever. And he's no longer really singing the song, which needs to be sung by somebody with Dylan's, you know, voice and vocality, not, um, you know, not sung perfectly. Because this person is, is uh, you know, he's the he's uh, he's at this dive bar and, you know, <laughs> either in purgatory or hell or hellish <laughs> earth or something. And it's not Rod Stewart. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've talked about, I mean, geez, this is uh, the 58th episode of the show and yeah. I've, I've talked about this many times before. I mean, it's, it's to me, good singing is singing that makes you feel something, you know, mm. and Dylan's voice makes me feel something. And is it, is it perfect? No, of course not. It's like, a lot of times it's pretty bad, but it makes me, feel the song that he's trying to convey. And so therefore it's good singing, you know, and, and smooth, mm. smooth. If, if Celine Dion works for people, if that, you know, like hers is note perfect. If note perfect inspires something in you, great. It doesn't for me. I hear it and it just sounds like wallpaper, but you know, to me, and but I liked hearing Bob's wrecked wheeze of this thing. And I like the way he does this. He did is it's very warm. Uh, mm. As I said, he's in this character and he can be a little harsh in terms of the character he's playing, but it is kind of a warmth. He has sympathy for the person that he's talking to. And he wraps up the song with going to have to be an important person to be in here, honey. You have to have to done some evil deed. Got to have your own harem. When you come in the door, got to play the harp until your lips bleed. They say that patriotism is the last refuge to which a scoundrel clings. Steal a little and they throw you in jail. Steal a lot and they make you king. As we all know, that's not true anymore. There's only one step down from here, baby. It's called the land of permanent bliss. What's a sweetheart like you doing in a dump like this? And I will admit, for many years when I was younger and I wasn't as well-read, cough, cough, I thought that the whole line about steal a little and they throw you in jail, steal a lot and they make you king was Bob's invention, which I thought was genius. It's like a genius mm -hmm. turn of phrase because mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, we punish people who steal $20 to feed their family. But somebody who, you know, oh, I don't know, you know, bilks people out of <laughs> casino money, we make them president. Uh, but but D Dylan apparently took that from uh, a play by Eugene O'Neill, the Emperor Jones, and he has a character who says, uh, there's a line, and he says, for the little stealing, they get you in jail soon or late. For the big stealing, they make you emperor and put you in the Hall of Fame when you croaks. So there mm -hmm. it is, right then and there. So, I mean, Bob is stealing, and he's repurposing for his own his own, uh, his own own purposes. But, I mean, it, it, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't make the line any less brilliant. It's just a little like, oh, okay, oh no. he took it from a play. All right, good good for you, Bob. The great artist reference and great artists reuse, and, and, and there, this whole song is evidence of why he he deserves that uh, Nobel Prize. Uh, yeah. This is literature. This is great literature. This is a fiction. This is a fictitious story. Um, you know, he, he and it's coming out of a period where I guess, uh, as I referenced earlier, he's evolving from his uh, Christian period and uh, realizing that he can't just like shout things at people, that the message should be uh, more subtle mm -hmm. uh, and that, uh, you know, and it's not it's not a conversion type song or proselytizing, but it's definitely uh, spiritual and reflects the pity of that something pure on this earth uh, is is 
is is so wasted and that this this character or the the, the female uh, is the underdog certainly and doesn't have much chance at least to hear this maybe unreliable narrator tell it um, and and that's just kind of I think some his talk you know patriot it's it's, it's this person talking inventing and how bad the world is and what are you doing here I will say that um gotta play your harp until your lips bleed along with the tire squeal and the cut glass to make a deal, you know, I hear a little bit maybe a hint at not just talking about corruption generally, but maybe corruption of the musician, all those bloodsuckers and leeches taking your, you know, making money off you and you just keep, you know, you can be, you can be famous and you can, uh, you know, get all this glory, but what does it really mean? It's, it's not, you know, and, um, and casting doubt on that, just a hint of it. I wouldn't say the entire song's about Dylan singing to Dylan, that would be kind of silly. But that hint, especially like, you know, playing your harp till your lips bleed, treating the harp, the harmonica, which he was his instrument that, that got him where it was as something, as a chore, you know, just, mm-hmm. just seems to signal that a little bit. I agree. Yeah. None of, none of them along the line know what any of it is worth. Uh, he's <laughs> yeah. to that. Uh, it's funny. You, you mentioned um, about the sort of addressing the larger world and it's kind of interesting. You may, also, you also mentioned that, that interview we did with the, I think it was Kurt Loder and Rolling Stone around the time of this record. And he mentions a, a fun little detail. And I love all this stuff about the, the behind the scenes of how he constructs these albums. The original title for infidels was called, was, was uh, surviving in a ruthless world. And the mm. only reason that he changed it to infidels, which he admits in the interview doesn't mean anything, he just thought it sounded good, is <laughs> that the previous four albums he had put out all had S titles. Street Legal, uh-huh. Slow Train Coming, Saved and Shot of Love, and he, he was like, oh, I don't want to get bogged down in the letter S. So he just changed it. And it's sort of funny that you think about all the people that probably pour, like, guilty as charged, I got my hand raised here, all the people that pour over every utterance the man has you know with right. granular detail and they think it all, right. it all has some hidden meaning <laughs> you know all of a sudden i'm like charlie day from uh you know philadelphia with all the you know the pin cushions and the pin cushion the uh you know the thumbtacks and all the, it's all connected and it's like well no he just changed it because he didn't want to have another album with the starting with the letter s but when you know that the album was originally supposed to be called surviving in a ruthless world it informs the songs a little because this song right. is definitely about somebody trying to help someone survive in a ruthless world. And you're going to have – this comes off Joker Man. It comes after right. Joker Man on the album. And you have Union Sundown on this album. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely some talk about some of the, some of the songs reference Reagan or the actor um, directly. There's definitely some uh, being upset about greed and corruption and, and what's going on. But I think – yeah, I think I go for a softer interpretation really with a lot of artists – but particularly with Dylan and particularly with someone who I know, but the more you think an artist puts into the art, the more you want to avoid this like A equals B yeah. interpretation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this... uh, one thing like, for instance, the evil deed on the rehearsal was worthless deed. So, mm. I mean, it's not a big deal. He gets the same flavor, but I think one really kind of points that this is a real hellish earth where this where the scene is taking place. Mm. Yeah, this is a, a long, uh, Swear Like You was in a long line of songs where, as you mentioned, Joker Man, the first song of the album is sort of talking to the world, is, as it, you know, is 
painting on a very broad canvas. And then the second song pulls it in really close where he's talking to one or two people. And you see that on uh, Bringing It All Back Home. Subterranean Homesick Blues is kind of a a state-of-the-world song. And then he moves to She Belongs to Me, which is a very kind of personal song. They're all personal in one way or the other. But then you've, like, Blood on the Tracks, Tangled Up in Blue. That's the events of the world. And then he down gear, downshifts to Simple Twist of Fate. And then later on on Modern Times, Thunder on the Mountain is another song about craziness going on in the world. And then the next song is Spirit on the Water, which is a relationship song. So this, is, this fits in. Uh, this is a pattern that he has of like the first opening volley is this big sprawling thing <laughs> where he's talking about all these events. And then the second one seems to be, okay, now I'm going to slow it down a little, pull it in. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, this song has never been performed in concert. Uh, Bob's never done it in concert. I don't know why. It's a perfectly wonderful song. It was released as a single, and they made a video out of it. Uh, there is a video. That's you right. go to Bob Dylan's uh, Vivo channel, and you can see the video. And it's it's sort of funny because you know we all know Bob Dylan as he's a full grown man. He's capable of growing a perfectly good beard, but the beard he has, this weird like you video, <laughs> yeah. is really shitty. I mean, it you almost feel like <laughs> he woke up one morning and he's like. Oh hell! I got to make a video today. You know, he forgot because he just—he yeah. looks like a—he looks like a bum. He really does. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder if he's playing the character. He felt this was for this song, although it kind of all throughout that album, there's kind of like beards behaving badly throughout all the photo shoots for that album. <laughs> yeah, he, he was definitely kind of looking a little sketchy, and the video does a little bit of storytelling because it, it, it's set in clearly some sort of after-hours club, and there's a uh, a cleaning woman who is pushing mm-hmm. a broom. And then she's watching Bob and the band perform this song, and we see them play. And it's it's kind of funny because, you know, Bob has never been very good at the lip syncing. He just doesn't really care. He, he does pretty well in the video for this one. He actually seems to make an effort. But uh, there's a video for Joker Man where he's barely even matching what he was singing in the, that version. So I imagine if you're one of the people that uh, had to get him to lip sync, it must have just been a real uphill climb. You know, it's like, oh, Bob, can you just try and sing it the way you did on the record? It's just, no, it's like, I think I think there's a reason why the last five or six videos he's done, he, you don't see him singing. He's just, it's, yeah, it's like a little I story. Think, yeah. This was his first encounter, I guess, with the true video world and the MTV yeah. world. You talk about 1983, yeah, and they the probably told him. Yeah, I got to do a video, and I don't know that if if that medium ever really agreed with him or if it's his medium. And they're, they're, I think his videos are are startlingly beautiful and original. The series of mm-hmm. dreams one, which is a song, it's my all time favorite Dylan song. We'll cover that on the show eventually at some point. I think they're brilliant, but he apparently just has never been terribly comfortable with it one way or the other, and I think it kind of shows a little bit. But it's interesting. He he certainly tried to engage. I mean, you know, this, there was a time where. MTV played Bob Dylan videos. You know, imagine that nowadays. That seems well, like definitely the next album, um, The Empire Burlesque. Oh, you're going to see more of that. It's almost a Miami Vice-ish. Oh, <laughs> he really, yeah. he really takes the the '80s on uh, in, in some of those videos. Yeah, the synth drums going. So, <laughs> but yeah, Sweetheart Like You. It's it's a beautiful song. It's it's just something that's uh, destined to be on one of his albums and then sort of just forgotten because again, he's never returned to it. But it's a, it's a really beautiful song, and I, I love it. And uh, it's 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 warm hearted but it's also cynical and dark like a lot of great Dylan songs so uh, I, I I don't know is there anything you wanted to say about it before we wrap up Bruce oh the end that outro that outro and ah. Mark Knopfler and then the blues and since you know Dylan isn't he's a decent guitar player but he's not known for that uh, to have a professional like Knopfler on it and on so many songs uh, was really a compliment because you're getting great lyrics great voc- vocals and then just great music and I think that 
you know, whenever there's a long outro like that, it, there's possibly the the composition. There's some intention from the artist to that they wanted you to concentrate on the last thing on the mm-hmm. end. You know, because you then you have there's only one step down from here, baby. It's the land of permanent bliss, and you have that time to then think about it. Um, you know, Aaron Sorkin did the West Wing. He was always talking about how he liked the credits. He liked he liked. <laughs> There was sometimes when they made him cut, and they, there was no period for a long period of credits, and he said the scene won't work because you need that moment. The the audience needs yeah. the process. Yeah, and, oh, that's uh, absolutely. So he kind of gets off a little bit about, uh, you know, the only thing, even though this very unreliable thief-like narrator is bringing a little bit of a hint of a Christian message, I think, that, you know, there's a, he's saying it's down, he's saying it's a bad thing, you know, the the – permanent bliss but uh are sort of hinting that way but it's you know uh it 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 hints that there's a possibly you know we could be saved everybody could be saved and uh that's kind of the end and the message and and it's a great but the music music is wonderful and that you know that outro you just want it to last forever (laughs) you're disappointed when it ends it is it's very beautiful and you're right i'm glad you mentioned that because yeah sometimes when dylan's songs tend to not have long outros but i've i just kind of thinking about it as we're sitting here talking uh the ones that do they're really pretty magnificent you know it's almost like he saves it for for rare occasions and then when he does but you're right mark mark knopfler uh, did quite a job. Again, I imagine producing Dylan has got to be a tough, tough gig. Uh, but uh, but yeah, he did a, he did a great job. And there's a whole other story about Infidels about what Bob did to the album after he had sort of let Knopfler go. And th- there's arguments to be made that he didn't make the album better. He fact made it a lot worse. But that's maybe an argument for for another day. But this is this is one of the few songs on Infidels that was not. Um, futzed with a whole lot. He sang new lyrics when he went back after Montenoffler had gone. He the, these lyrics that we're hearing are the new lyrics, but in terms of the song itself, it, it remained I think pretty much the way it was. And so he seemed to have a fairly cohesive vision of what he wanted the song to be. Yeah, and I think it's it's a song from the '80s that stands up with all of them. Yeah, it's a great song, great song. So, well, that is going to do it for Sweetheart Like You. Uh, you're going to hear a little bit of it as we end the show. So, Bruce, thank you so much for coming on, man. This has just been great. Like I said, I love uh, your podcast. What do you have coming up on the show? What, what's, uh, what topics are you going to be covering? We're concluding our series on Reagan. We're in 1983, and we're going to jump ahead to the end of the Cold War. And then I got a lot of great guests. We're going to go a lot into. We always do a lot on presidents, and Wilson and Eisenhower are going to be big figures in the in the year 2018 for us. Oh, sounds cool. I'm a fan. I like Ike. That's cool. I love to read about that. Awesome. So, well, again, remind everybody where they can find your show. It's uh, www.myhistorycanbeatupyourpolitics.com. Very cool, and we'll have that in the show notes, of course. And, uh, and uh, if you want to listen to other episodes of Pod Dylan, find it on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. And we're always talking Bob Dylan over on Twitter at pod underscore Dylan. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. Well, the press is down. The boss ain't here. He got none for a while. Say that vanity got the best of him, but he sure left here in style. By the way, that's a cute hat And it smiles so hard to resist But what's a sweetheart like you doing in a dump like this? You know I once knew a woman who looked like you 
She wanted a home man, not just a half. She used to call me sweet daddy when I was only a child. You kind of remind me of how when you laugh. In order to deal in this game, got to make the queen disappear. It's done with the flick of the wrist. What's a sweetheart like you? 